top 25 matchups across the board in college football. Rams keep rolling through the league and undefeated rank it. And the NBA is back in T-minus three weeks. All that and more on this week's pod. And Manning's going to need one. There's, oh, there's a flag. Back to the one-handed catch. What's going on, guys, and welcome to episode four of the Crew Sports Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Crew Sports Pod. I'm Michael Joaquin, joined here by Vito Patel. What's going on, Vito? It's going real well. How are you, Michael? Going well, doing well. So how about that last weekend of football? Absolutely amazing. NFL action has so many close games and some really impressive and interesting college football games and a couple upsets, too. You actually called the Clemson upset last week. Yeah, honestly, I mean, I didn't think Clemson was playing too well as of late. And yeah, NC but State I didn't has... think NC State was too well in general. Yeah, no, I, I didn't think so either. I think they're better than Georgia Tech and Clemson struggled with Georgia Tech. So I was thinking, hmm. But honestly, Clemson also lost because of a couple injuries too. Skowski was injured and Brise was out. And these are like their two best defenders. And so like, you know how I was saying they didn't give up a single touchdown? Well, last week yeah, they, they gave, gave up quite a, a few. Yeah, they gave up a few. And that's probably due to those big injuries. Kowski, yeah, he's a huge part of that defense. And, like, when he was out against Notre Dame last year, too, like, Notre Dame put up a lot of points against Clemson. And when he came back for the ACC championship game, like, we couldn't move the ball that much on them. Same thing against Ohio State and now against NC State. Like, he's the glue to that defense. He puts everybody together. But still, overall, their offense absolutely sucks. Clemson cannot move the ball. I saw a stat about Clemson. Clemson has been ranked in the top 10 in the AP poll for 97 straight weeks. Obviously, that ended this week. Whoa. Wait, yeah, that's a lot of weeks. And then Clemson has been ranked in 106 straight weeks. So in the top 25. You're talking about college football weeks, right? Yeah. Like, not calendar weeks. Wow, yeah, that's what I thought. Wow. They've been ranked... For 106 straight weeks in the top 25, dating back to 2014. And honestly, I think that should have ended this week too. But they are adding another week since they're 25th. So the streak continues. Wow. Wow. The top 10 part too is kind of crazy. Cause- yeah. a hundred Out of 106 of those ranked weeks, they were in the top 10 for 97 of them. Since they became ranked, they were basically a top 10 team the whole time. Dang. And it makes sense though now I think about like, the whole Deshaun Watson era, they were pretty much in the top 10. And they did not skip a beat when they added Lawrence. Exactly. I know they had that one year in between with uh, Kelly Bryant or whatever. And they were still, their only loss that season was to Bama. So in general, like, yeah, they've just always been in the top 10. It's just crazy when you think about how many weeks it is. I wonder what Bama was it. No, Bama had that bad year recently. So that's probably the longest streak. That's seasons. Seasons of straight top 10. Wow, just not even an off. Yeah, wow. That's crazy. Because even Bama, yeah, had that one recent off year. And it's like it's like kind of expected sometimes because like Bama loses games in the regular season. But like Clemson doesn't really lose until the playoffs. Bama doesn't really lose. Okay, not often. There's some tough SEC teams, so I could see them losing every now and then. But yeah, much offense to Clemson, but they don't really have a hard schedule. 
Like, so they don't like. I don't expect them to lose until playoff time, anyways. Uh, one of the other games you kind of called too: Texas A and M versus Arkansas. You said Arkansas <laughs> was playing good, Texas A and M wasn't, and Arkansas is legit. Yeah, honestly. Uh, and like I was looking at the game too, and Arkansas absolutely dominated the first like two quarters. They're up seventeen zero, and they're moving the ball fairly effectively, and A and M couldn't move the ball at all. But then KJ Jefferson, Arkansas's quarterback, he got injured, and because of that, they didn't really score much after that. Yeah, they're really good, and KJ Jefferson's expected to be back against Georgia this weekend, so that's about to be a nice top ten matchup. Another game I put for us to talk about was Oklahoma versus West Virginia. It wasn't so much because the game was that great. Oklahoma struggled. But what I want to talk about in this game, did you hear the crowd? It was at yeah. Oklahoma, and the crowd was booing Rattler, and they started chanting, we want Caleb, the backup quarterback. Yeah, no, I heard of that, which is kind of funny because I didn't think like Rattler had a pretty solid game, 26 for 36, 256 yards. He He was pretty solid, like. But dang, that's just a bad look. You don't ever want to boo your starting quarterback. Those chants started in the second quarter, too. Wow, wow. That's like that's way too early for sure. Wow. And it's week that was week four. And, and Spencer Rattler, who's like a Heisman favorite coming into the season, like, wow, to boo something like that is kind of crazy. But I mean, I wouldn't put it past Oklahoma fans. I mean, Oklahoma's four and oh, but it has not been a pretty four wins. All of their wins have been so close. Exactly. Close game against Tulane and Nebraska and West Virginia now. Like, they're Notre Dame. <laughs> yeah, they're playing down to their opponents. Speaking of Notre Dame, though, I liked what I saw from them against Wisconsin. I loved it. In Chicago, the Shamrock Series game. I mean, they just love this series, I guess. It was for Kelly's 106 win. And, like, I know it doesn't sound like that big of a deal, but those players really wanted to do it for Kelly. And, like, in the post game, they were talking about, like, how excited they were. They dumped him with Gatorade like two or three times. Like they, they really want to do it for the coach. And so like they played their butts off, especially in that fourth quarter. What I want to talk about though, is that defense. I knew it was going to take a little time for our defense to adjust to his heavy blitzing scheme. They were insane. Like they had five takeaways and Wisconsin who usually like rush the ball against everyone. Cause they're big offensive line only had 74 rushing yards against us. They were forced to throw and they don't really like passing the ball. And once they're forced to throw, they threw four picks. It was perfect. Like we absolutely destroyed them on defense. Yeah, one of my biggest takeaways was the was about the defense too. Like their quarterback, Mertz was always scrambling. He was always yeah. like running for his life. Wisconsin was actually one for fourteen on third downs. Oh dang. That one, it was like a third and one. It was the only one they converted. Or third and two or something like that. Actually, another big stat is Wisconsin's biggest run in the game was 10 yards. And, like, I know week one and two, we gave up some big running plays. And we shut them down. So, I'm really loving Marcus Freeman. I think it just takes a little while for our defense to get used to his schemes. But he's it's pretty good. It worked out so well. Yeah, I remember you saying that we were going to need to, like, adjust or something on defense. And I was, I was kind of worried because those first couple weeks, like, we weren't playing, like, top tier teams and they would still gash the defense for big 60 plus yard runs it was just some small growing pains but like outside of those big plays week one and two we still kind of destroyed florida state and toledo didn't really move the ball outside of big plays so i was like okay i think that's fixable the big plays now what's not fixable is this offensive line it's still awful oh yeah completely yeah i was gonna say something about that too uh do you know how many total rushing yards we ended the game with (laughs) <laughs> yes you could count it in one hand three rushing yards bro. 
Yeah. And gave up six sacks. I mean, and we already had our starter and backup quarterback injured. Like they always got Pine injured yeah. too. He took a big. I kind of liked Pine though. He looked good. Yeah. Like they started him off with like a couple easy throws. They got him a little settled down, but he came out firing. No, you're so right. Yeah, and like usually with the backup quarterbacks, the third third string especially, you want to start running the ball a little bit. We didn't even run there the ball. Was we no, started there was no running the ball good. that game. <laughs> exactly. But it was fine because 6 of 8, 81 yards and a touchdown. Pretty solid. I mean, Kevin Austin had a good game. Six catches, 76 yards, and those two big touchdowns. The biggest thing of the game I really loved, though, was Chris Tyree's huge kickoff. Yeah, that, I was like, going to say, that's where the game like completely like opened up for Notre Dame. The kickoff return, and then they, they followed it with a couple pick sixes late. That just put the game away. Yeah, dang. That was so clutch because Wisconsin took their first lead in the game. And I was like, dang, I don't know. We got a third string quarterback in. Tyree just does Tyree things. Like, he's so fast. Which just makes you think, Michael. Like, imagine if he had some, you know, holes to run the ball through. Like, how many big running plays he would have with the offensive line. Three rushing yards in a whole entire football game is is pretty bad. But one reason I'm not looking too much into that is on the year wisconsin is allowed under 70 rushing yards like on the whole year in total oh dang wow wow Even it's like State 60 too? some yards i think wow okay i mean i knew that wisconsin front seven was good and dang they're that good so we definitely played to their weaknesses we threw the ball a lot that was definitely a good idea but Still, though, like, I do want to get that running game going. Yeah, because the thing is, against top-tier teams, you can't be one-dimensional. It's just it's going to make it way too hard on yourself. Luckily, we scored 21 points between our defense and special teams. That's not always going to happen. So, yeah, I agree. But overall, I mean, great intensity, though, by the team. It's going to be a huge game this Saturday. Top 10 matchup in South Bend. There's four top 25 matchups next week in college football. Cincy, Notre Dame. Number one, Bama takes on number 12, Ole Miss, in another SEC battle. And I think, honestly, this is the best chance Bama has of being beaten this year. Funny enough, I wanted to see what the Heisman uh, watch was right now. As a week forward, I know it's super early. But number one, the Heisman watch is Matt Corral, the quarterback of Ole Miss. And number two is Bryce Young from Bama. So it's an early Heisman battle. And I think that's the one thing Ole Miss has. I think they could actually move the ball really well in Bama. I just don't know if they could stop Bama. Well, that's the thing. You can't really stop Bama. You just got to kind of score with them. Lane Kiffin will play pretty aggressive offense. I think they're the only people that have a chance of keeping up with Bama. Florida almost did it, but if there's one team that does it this year, it's Ole Miss. Ole Miss did beat Bama a few years ago, two years in a row. Ole Miss plays Bama well in general historically, but also the only way to beat this Bama team is to outscore them, I think. I don't think you could stop them anyways. So I'm, I'm all for Ole Miss. They have a chance. That being said, I'd still pick Bama. <laughs> yeah, we both were kind of saying Old Miss might be the best chance to beat Bama this year. So I was interested in seeing what the line was. I mean, it's better than the line for the Florida game. The line on DraftKings, at least, is Bama by 14 and a half. So still two touchdown favorites against Dang. another almost top 10 battle. That's fair. It's in Tuscaloosa this time. So oh, I can see. Uh, okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> in that number one Brian Danny Stadium. Yeah. We can't go against that. Still, I, I still give Ole Miss the fighting chance and the best chance I could see the rest of the season, honestly. Another top 10 matchup, a real top 10 matchup, I guess I should say. Number two, Georgia versus number eight, Arkansas. You're pretty big on Arkansas. What do you think for them against Georgia? I love Arkansas, but Georgia's just a new dog. Like, literally, I mean, literally, they're the dogs. But, like, 
they're so <laughs> they're so good on offense and defense. They struggled week one against Clemson. I mean, Clemson's defense is amazing too. But other than that, they've been scoring so much. They scored sixty plus on Vandy, and it's in Athens. Current spread is eighteen and a half Georgia. I don't think oh it's that crazy. Goodness. I think really, I think Arkansas is better than that. But but still, I think Georgia should definitely be the favorite in this one. Uh, these top two, like Bama and Georgia, are just so far ahead of everyone else. I don't really see either of them being touched. This is probably until they face each other in the SEC championship. These are probably their biggest week for both of these teams. Luckily, both of them are at home this weekend, so they have their home field advantage. But Arkansas has been playing amazing this year, and Ole Miss can move the ball just as good as any other team in the country. So two really good matchups. The last top 25 matchup, we got 19 Oklahoma State versus 21 Baylor. I could see these two teams being the two best teams in the Big 12. I mean, the way Oklahoma's looking and how Iowa State has just had a bad season so far. Yeah, Iowa State is, is underachieving a little. And Oklahoma, well, Oklahoma's still sixth, so they're still pretty far ahead of these guys. But I could see OK State taking down Oklahoma later in the year. Yeah, Oklahoma State's been pretty solid. Baylor really hasn't played anyone before Iowa State, but Oklahoma State, I, yeah, I could definitely see that. Outside of the top 25 matchups this week, there's also so many other just good games. Number five, Iowa takes on Maryland. Maryland's been just outside the top 25 for, like I think, like three weeks in a row now. Super hot take on this one. I think Maryland wins. It's on the road. It's in Maryland. And honestly, I like Iowa, but I think... It's one of those things where you take so too much weight onto what they did earlier without taking context into it. Yeah, they beat IU, but IU, you know, struggled against Western Kentucky in his two and two. They beat Iowa State and Iowa State struggled against Northern Iowa and they lost to Baylor. Their two big wins aren't even that big. And even this weekend, Iowa struggled in their game against Colorado State. I could see Maryland winning this. Maryland gets home field advantage. Talia Tua's brother is playing like a Heisman, so I'm calling Maryland on the upset. There's no way you get another upset right. (laughs) (laughs) But the Big Ten East has been lights out so far this year. I mean, Ohio State, who's only losses to Oregon, and they're 3-1. and They're fifth in the Big Ten East. You got Michigan, Michigan State, Maryland, Penn State, all still undefeated. Ohio State, 3-1, and whose only loss is to number three, Oregon. Indiana... Both of their losses were the top 10 teams. Even Rutgers is 3-1. And, and they only lost it to Michigan. <laughs> wow, that Big Ted East. Big Ted East, you're right. Is that the strongest conference at all? Of, not conference, division in all of football? It's pretty deep. I mean, if Ohio State is in fifth, I think Maryland should be ranked. They're not. So even though out of the seven, you still have four ranked teams, and Maryland should be ranked, and it should be five out of the seven teams should be top 25. I totally agree. And honestly, Indiana is just unfortunate they had to play such a hard schedule. But, I mean, had they played a normal schedule, they could easily be undefeated too. The Big Ten is more even than the SEC. I'll say that. I was struggling if I should say deeper or I don't think better because the SEC, like the top of the SEC is just so much better than everyone. Yeah, there's like tiers to it. There's like the Alabama-Georgia tier. Then there's like the Florida-Arkansas-A&M tier. Maybe you could out LSU, LSU a, and yeah. maybe Auburn, yeah. And then there's just like the rest. So there, yeah, there's like multiple tiers. But I agree. Rutgers at the bottom of the East and Michigan's at the top. But it was a one touchdown game. So like, there's not much separation in the Big Ten. Even Wisconsin gets a third chance of redemption because they could take out another top fifteen team in Wisconsin. I mean, in, in Michigan. Yeah, 
All right. Anyway, moving on to NFL now. It was a big week for kickers. We had four field goal kicks for the win last week. Had the Raiders. They had a chip shot, 22-yard field goal in overtime to beat Miami. Falcons, 41-yard walk-off field goal as time expires to beat the Giants. Sunday night football, Crosby kicks a 51-yarder as time expires to win. And then probably the craziest one I've ever seen, Tucker, 66-yard field goal to break the NFL record and win in Detroit. Bounces off the crossbar and in. That might have been the coolest highlight I've ever seen is from a kicker, too. Bro. From a kicker. <laughs> Bro, and the craziest thing is they were down 16 to 17. If he misses, they lose the game. Like, from 66 <laughs> yards. Exactly. They trusted him that much. The whole fate of the game was on that. There was no other doers. That was it. And he made it. He's goaded. Bro, that means if you make it to midfield, you're already scoring points. Like, that's that's what that means. Like, <laughs> like what? 66? That's just, like, unheard of. So, a couple stats on Tucker. He's made all 16 field goals he's tried with under a minute left in regulation. Wow. Inside of 40 yards, he's made 70 straight. Which Dang. is the record. Is he the best player in the Ravens? <laughs> uh, Probably. Uh, he's the most accurate kicker in NFL history. 90.7%. Wow. Oh, also, another kicking news. Someone else on Sunday tried to break the record. The Cardinals tried to kick a 68-yard field goal, and it went from oh. being, it went from being would have been the longest field goal ever, and it ended up as the longest play ever, as the Jags returned it for a 109-yard touchdown. Wow. <laughs> That's just all around, wow. He went... They went zero to hundred real quick. Hey, it was a crazy play. <laughs> wow! I think the worst part about that is that they allowed that against the Jags, and I think the Jags took the lead with that. Yeah, and the Cardinals were down to the Jags for a little bit. They were down nineteen ten third quarter, but they did win that game of the week last week. I think was Bucks Rams. All that showed me was the Rams are continuing to steamroll the league. What's crazy about that is like the Bucks had a great offensive game. Tom Brady had four hundred thirty-two yards. And this is, like, against a great Rams defense. Even when their defense isn't playing well, their offense could score, and score a lot. Because they won by double-digit points. The issue with the Bucks, I think, is they had no run game. With no run game, they couldn't set a play action, and the Rams' D-line could just come after Brady. They didn't, they didn't care at all for the run. They just came after Brady. And when you do that, like, that's the only way to beat him, basically. But, I mean, to be fair, Brady had a great game. It wasn't like Brady threw the game away. So, it's I mean, I don't know. It's just all around impressive that Brady was able to do that against Bucks defense. Like, Brady's not aging at all. Yeah, he also was the leading rusher. Just, just to show you how bad the <laughs> okay. run game was, Brady was the leading rusher for Tampa with 14 yards. Dang, actually. And Cooper Cup has had himself a year. He already has more touchdowns this year than he did last year. It's wow. week three. Yeah, Cooper Cup's going crazy. Man, I mean, honestly, all the all the Rams receivers are going crazy. D. Jacks having a comeback. I honestly, at the beginning of the year, didn't even know he was on the team. I thought, yeah, and I I just learned recently. I was like, "Dang, hey, he's still playing NFL." <laughs> <laughs> um, another good game, Chiefs Chargers. We both kind of wanted to pick Chargers last week, but we were like, "No way, the Chiefs lose two in a row." Yeah, and the Chiefs two. lost two in a row in September. 
which is crazy because they could easily have lost three in a row. They were down against the Browns most of that game. They could be 0-3. It's a comeback for that, too. But it's also crazy because they could also be 3-0, too. They're all close games. Way too many turnovers that game. Two interceptions and two fumbles lost. They're digging the hole for themselves. It's already hard to beat divisional opponents with four turnovers, and they still almost had a chance in the end. Yeah, it seems it seems like uh, the Chiefs are kind of beating themselves up. But, a lot I mean, of Chargers played well, though. Especially, yeah, those t- uh, turnovers had to stop from Mahomes. But, I mean, Aloy Gilman for Notre Dame had the big interception. I saw had. that. I didn't realize how many Notre Dame players the Chargers had on defense, like starting on defense. They have Gilman, Tranquil, and Tillery. Yeah, yep, yep. They, they just love their Notre Dame players. I mean, I'm fine with that. Uh, the Bills game, I was impressed with the Bills game. It was a good, I mean, I don't want to say bounce back game because they beat the Dolphins 35-0. But their offense didn't look too great against the Dolphins. Allen looked back against the football team. He had 358 yards and four touchdowns. And it's against, I thought Washington football team's defense is solid. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. Wow. The game was honestly never like, or it shouldn't have ever been close. The Bills went up 21-0 early. Then they gave up a touchdown. It was like a screen or something. 73 yards. And then the following kickoff might have been the weirdest thing I've ever seen. The wind like kind of pushed the kickback and it dropped short. One of the Washington players grabbed it and then a Bills player smacked him and it just popped up in the air and it landed right in Hopkins' hand. So the kicker somehow ended up with a kickoff that went like 40 yards down the field. Wow. And they got good field position, put another touchdown in, 21-14. But then after that, I mean, the Bills kept scoring. You guys looked absolutely really good. You guys won every statistical category against Washington all around the blowout. Yeah, I mean, outside of those two... Like the big play and then the weird kickoff that gave him good field position. Defense was good. We had takeaways, they had a, a fumble and two picks. And I saw that Mitch Trubisky got to play a little bit. <laughs> yeah, he played a little bit in the end. Yeah. Uh, do you want to talk about Bears-Browns? Uh, not too much, but there's one thing I want to say. <laughs> uh, well, a couple of things. But, you know, Michael, uh, the Bills... You guys gave up zero sacks that game. Very good. You guys care about your quarterback, your future, <laughs> everything. Now, Bears. <laughs> I know where this is going. We gave up nine sacks, four and a half to Miles Garrett, and like we did say he was going to be a problem for the for the Bears line. We did, yeah. But I didn't think he was going to have a whole season's worth of sacks <laughs> in one game. <laughs> it was kind of a lot. Four and a half sacks. Taylor Jones had five sacks week one. I was like, I've never heard anything even close to it. Well, it was my team that gave the closest thing I've ever seen to it a couple weeks later. The thing was, for that game total, they had, like, those were the whole team's sacks for that game. Yeah. Miles Garrett only had half the sacks, so he had nine total. Exactly, exactly. Jeremiah Wusakoromola. He had a game. Oh, my God. Every time I was watching Red Zone, every time they'd flip to that game, Jock made a play. He's so fast. He almost killed Justin Fields. Like, you should have seen the big hit he had on Fields. Like, Fields, yeah, oh my God. Like, I love <laughs> I love Jock's big hits, but not on Fields, bro. But anyways, if that was bad, we had a total of 47 yards on offense. Like, not one drive, not quarter. <laughs> oh, I did not know that. <laughs> yeah. I saw you had, Justin Fields had, like, two or three yards, something like that, because of all the sacks canceled out all of his yards. No, it was it was one yard. It was... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to overshoot it. There was literally no offense. Like I don't even know how we had six points that game. 
there's nothing that was going on. We couldn't protect fields. He couldn't throw down the field because, well, he's getting pressured. Like, usually we have Montgomery who could run, but thanks to Jock, he couldn't even run that game either. He was everywhere. Yeah, nothing went well on offense. It was a terrible debut for fields. I don't really like midseason coaching changes, but Nagy's not your guy. He's not. He, and he's ruining quarterbacks. He already ruined Trubisky. And, like, at first, everyone thought it was all Trubisky. But, like, I mean, Trubisky looked good against the Bears in the preseason game. So I was like, I started to yes, think back did. then. Yes, he did. <laughs> I started to think back then, wait, maybe we're the problem. And yeah, we definitely are. Like Fields is struggling too. So, And there's no quarterback that's actually done good in the system. Foles had a, a couple good quarters, I guess, but he didn't really do well. <laughs> a couple quarters? He didn't have <laughs> <Yeah>. a game? <laughs> exactly. It's Nagy. He's the problem. We need him out. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I don't really like midseason coaching changes, but you guys aren't going anywhere anyway. And you gave up your first round pick this year, so you're just giving the Giants a better pick. I still don't think it's Fields' fault at all. I think Fields is a great quarterback. He can throw dimes and he's mobile. There's just not good play calling. Horrible play calling. You can run some decent read options with him, I swear. I mean, yeah, you got a mobile quarterback. Get him out of the pocket a little bit, too. Exactly. Not running for his life out of the pocket, but just, like, move him around. <laughs> it'll, it'll help the line a little bit. Though, I will say, side note, but I really love the way Jeremiah Wusukurmo is playing the NFL. And he leads all NFL linebackers in PFF grade. I thought he was the biggest, like, one of the biggest steals in the second round. And I knew there's a lot of bias to that. He, he's really good. I did not think he'd have that big of an impact that fast in the Browns' defense. I definitely didn't see this good. But I definitely knew he was fast and he made plays and he didn't miss tackles. Mm-hmm. But yeah, well done. You proved the haters wrong so far. So far. All right, moving on to our rank it. This week we're ranking the remaining undefeated teams in the NFL. There's five teams left. So we're going to rank them one through five. I just have a feeling we're going to be pretty similar. There's not too much room to like change these, at least in my opinion. It should probably be pretty similar, but I am definitely excited to see what you have. Yeah, all right, let's start with number one. It's a clear-cut number one, I think. It's the Rams. Yeah. I don't think they're just number one in this list. I think they're number one in the league right now. Just too good on both sides of the ball. Mm-hmm. And they beat the previous number one team in the league this week, so. Yeah, but by a couple scores, too. So that's, I mean, that's always a plus. They're, they're just amazing on both sides of the ball. Rams definitely number one. Number two, I put the Cardinals. I agree. I think the Cardinals are a top five team right now. The only problem that they have is they're in the same division as the Rams. Exactly. They're good on both sides of the ball. Week one, they destroyed the Titans. They haven't looked quite the same since, but even when you're you're worried about the Cardinals, they have came back the last two weeks. And great teams come back too. Yeah, and even like last week, they were down at one point to Jacksonville after that field goal return for touchdown. They ended up winning comfortably. Yeah, they had a three-touchdown run that ended all doubts. All right, my number three is the Raiders. I think they're a solid team. They got a good win over Baltimore in week one, but they've had to go to overtime twice so far. I mean, the, the Baltimore game was great. That was fun. I love that that went to overtime. Then they went to overtime against a not-so-good Miami team last week. I still think they're a solid team, though. And Carr, Carr's been playing so good. Yeah, no, absolutely. He's having MVP level play so far. But I think my number three team is going to be the Panthers. In general, the team looks so much better with Darnold. Even without McCaffrey, they're looking still pretty good with uh, Darnold. And their defense is looking pretty solid. It's close between them and the Raiders for me, but the Raiders mostly went to overtime, so I'm going to have to go with the Panthers over the Raiders. Yeah, this was the only place where I saw where we might flip three and four. So I put the Panthers at four. They had a good win over the Saints, but their other wins, not great. I mean, the Raiders didn't have too great of wins either. 
But the Panthers lost a lot of players. Like, without McCaffrey, though, it was a little bit of a different team. Yeah, he's a big factor to that team. The reason I put Raiders above Panthers, though, is Carr has been playing, like, MVP-level quarterback. Yeah. Darnold has been playing, like, a solid quarterback. Carr's playing lights out for sure. But uh, I trust the Panthers' defense more than I trust the Raiders' defense. I'm going to have to lean with the Panthers. And then the unanimous fifth is the Broncos. 3-0, and but... A very phony, undefeated team. <laughs> Their opponents, they beat the 0-3 Giants, the 0-3 Jets, and the 0-3 Jacksonville. The teams they beat haven't won a single game. And so pretty much anybody could be undefeated with that schedule. They'll be tested against the Ravens, though. We'll see if they're legit. That's true, because, I mean, I do like their secondary. Their defense is pretty good. And, I mean, actually, I don't know. I don't know how to say, like, if they're really good or if they just looked good against playing the worst three teams in the league. No, their defense is fire. They have Sertan and Fuller and all those other secondary pieces. Honestly, the best thing for me is that Teddy Bridgewater is playing pretty well. Like He's not playing out of this world, but he's playing good, solid football, not turning the ball over, moving the ball pretty well. As a mature winning quarterback, they are going to be tough to beat. Yeah, but we'll definitely see how good they are against the Ravens. All right, moving on to next week. We're going to do our head-to-head pick em. So last week we both went eleven and five, and now our overall record is still tied. One <laughs> one and one record we got. We each got a win and we tied. It's as tight as you could get. <laughs> Basically. Uh we'll start with Thursday night football. What has been these Thursday night football schedules? I guess since no I'm one, not really a big fan. <laughs> I guess since no one likes playing on Thursday night, they keep well, I, I won't say anything. This week's great Thursday night matchup, Cincinnati versus Jacksonville. <laughs> Two years ago, the number one overall pick went to Cincinnati. And last year, the number one overall pick went to Jacksonville. So they both suck. And it's looking like <laughs> Jacksonville could get this year's number one pick, too. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Cincinnati looks a little bit better, though. Their offense is better. What's underlooked is their defense has gotten a little better, too. Last year, their defense could stop anyone. I think it's just their defense is not horrible. That's true. And their offense could move the ball so they get a little more rest than they used to in the past. Big win against Pittsburgh last week. Divisional game. No, since he played well there. Since he's been pretty solid this season overall. I mean, their loss coming to the Bears, which is actually a pretty bad loss now that I think about it. But still. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, besides that, they're 2-1. and one. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to win games at NFL. And Jamar Chase, apparently. He had two touchdowns last week. Yeah, exactly. He's number two in the NFL in receiving touchdowns. I'm not sure who number one is, but I know he's number two. Number one is probably Cooper Cup. He's got five already. Dang, but Jamar Chase is a rookie, though, so that's that's awesome. That that LSU connection's there. But overall, uh, Cincinnati has too many weapons in, at, in Cincinnati. I expect him to win by probably a couple scores. Yeah, and the Jags just aren't good. Yeah, exactly. Like, anywhere. Yeah. Except the return. Their return game is pretty good. A really good. Last week was a field goal return, but the week before, they had a kickoff return. Wow. Wow, they're an elite special teams team. Yeah, but... I also got it as a couple scores. I say 34-17. I gave Jackson a little more closer chance, but 31-20. Uh, okay. I think they score late to make it look closer. Yeah, probably. All right, moving on to the Sunday games. We got both have Washington over Atlanta. We both got Buffalo over Houston. Ooh, Detroit at Chicago. I was thinking about this one. Yeah, I, I mean, and I wanted to say Chicago. I wanted to say Detroit, but de- <laughs> <laughs> but then I said Detroit, and you said Chicago. But Detroit, are they own three? Yeah, they're winless, but they're close every week for sure. Yeah, so they're own three, but 
yeah, every week has been close, and they look good. Like, they look good losing. To good teams, 49ers, Packers, Ravens. And Packers, I know it was a blowout, but they were up for a while. Ravens needed a miracle to win that game, honestly. A 66-yarder at the end of the game, so... And the Ravens needed a record. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, the Lions look pretty good, and... And against the 49ers, they put up a lot of points, but then they just gave up mm-hmm. a lot more. Yeah, exactly. So my logic here is... Like, I actually genuinely think if the Bears lose this game and maybe another one, or maybe even just this game, we could fire Matt Nagy because, like, that performance is awful. And I, yeah. I know the Bears are better than that. Uh, so I, I definitely think they're they definitely more talented than that. Exactly. I mean, they were a playoff team two of the last three years, and really nothing really changed except quarterback. We're way better to be war against the Browns. I think we should pull this off. Like, well, I'll just consider that as a fluke game, but I could totally see us getting destroyed. <laughs> Like, after what happened on Sunday. Another interesting game, Carolina at Dallas. We both have Carolina picking up their first loss of the year. Dallas is so good. I mean, we saw last night. Yeah, they looked really good last night. And they they looked good when they lost to the Bucks too, like in, in week one. And Carolina, if McCaffrey's not there. They'll struggle without McCaffrey. Yeah, yeah, I think Dallas picks up their win. Indianapolis at Miami. So, you have Indianapolis. I took Miami. For me, Miami looked horrible against the Bills. I saw some life in them last week against Vegas. Brissett actually looked decent, and they they took the undefeated Raiders to overtime. Mm -hmm. And then on the other side of that, the Colts have not looked so good to me. Carson Wentz somehow sprained both ankles, and Quentin Nelson is out. I don't think their offense is going to do that great against a decent Miami defense, especially a pretty good secondary. I can see that, but... Uh, the reason I picked the Colts is I know they're on three, but they lost three pretty good teams: the Seahawks, Rams, the Titans. I still don't trust Jacoby. I think the Raiders have a bad defense. I, the Colts have a much better defense, so I'll take the Colts. Wow, we differed on a lot this week. Next, we got Cleveland at Minnesota. So I took Minnesota for this game. Minnesota's been in tough games all year, and they've just been grinding them out. And I think they look pretty good. And they've been playing pretty well at Minnesota. I just think this could be, like, a big statement win for them. Minnesota usually struggles against the Bears, and that's because, like, something about Khalil Mack. But I think the pass rush for the Browns is pretty intimidating, and uh, I don't think Darwin Cook is going to have that great of game running because the Browns' uh, linebacking crew is pretty good, too, now, and they have a good secondary. So Vikings are going to struggle on offense, and Baker Mayfield looked pretty sharp against the Bears and with Odell back and Chubb and Hunt. But then they lost Jarvis. They can't keep all their receivers... I love Jarvis, but I think Odell has a higher upside. Yeah. I like Cleveland in this. Minnesota's been playing good. Next, we both think Giants going to 0-4 with New Orleans picking up that one. Both got Jets also going down to 0-4. Tennessee, Kansas City over Philadelphia. Four o'clock games now. Arizona at Rams. I want to say, like, I like Arizona, and I want to pick them. But the Rams... Clearly the number one team in the league right now. They're just too good. Yeah, they match up well, too. Ramsey on Hopkins, that will be a good matchup. I'd love to see that. Arguably the top corner and arguably the top receiver. That will be nice. Rams, especially it being in L.A., I got to go with the Rams. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of what I said, too. And then staying in the NFC West, definitely the best division in football right now. Seattle at San Francisco. This was a tough one, too. I'd probably erase this and switch my pick three or four times. Same. We both ended up going with San Francisco. Seattle's look bad, but I don't think they're going to lose three in a row. If Seattle loses this and drop to one and three, it's going to be tough for them to like come back and get into the playoff picture. 
also 49ers lost a really tough game at home which they could have easily won i think they'll bounce back strong and it's in san francisco and in san francisco exactly both got another undefeated team going down baltimore at denver I think Baltimore looks good. The only issue is Lamar, who is the reason they're winning, though, is also the reason that they lose because he's had a lot of turnovers and unnecessary turnovers. Actually, okay, I'm going to go with Denver. You want to switch? Okay, I'm confident in Baltimore, so I'll let you switch. <laughs> I'm gonna, Yeah, I'm going to switch. Lamar's look good, but this defense is a little better than the ones he's faced before. At home, and Bridgewater's a quarterback that's not going to like necessarily score a lot of points, but he's not going to lose you the game. Yeah. I'm going to go with Denver. Everyone's probably writing off their 3-0 start. I think this is a good statement win. Well, it would be a good statement win. <laughs> if they win, I guess. Yeah, I'm sticking with Baltimore. I, I just like Lamar, and I like their offense. It's tough. Because even against the Chiefs, when they kept turning over, they still came back and put up enough points with all the turnovers. I think Denver's going to pull this one off. Yeah, in the last 4 o'clock game, we got Pittsburgh at Green Bay. Pittsburgh has just not looked that good, and both of us got Green Bay winning. Sunday night, Brady revenge game, Tampa at New England. Oh, well, first, Brady's going to pass Drew Brees' record for most all-time passing yards. He'll wow. probably do it in the Angel first quarter. Thing. Yeah, Angel at same. His first time playing New England. His first time back in New England. And after a tough loss last week, uh, I feel bad for New England. Oh, yeah. They're going to get all of Brady. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's not much else to say. Tom Brady is a winner. This is a big revenge game. And he just lost last week. Everything tells me he's going to win. And then the Monday night game. This would be a good one. Vegas at Chargers. We both got Chargers. So another undefeated team potentially going down. Wow. Wow. Honestly, my original pick, I think, did I only keep the Rams alive out of all the unbeans? Well, the Cardinals have to lose then if the Rams win. And then. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I have Raiders losing. I have Panthers losing, and I have Broncos losing. Yeah, so... Well, you have the Broncos winning now. But I got yeah, I got the Rams yeah. being the only undefeated team left after this week. Yeah, that's what I had originally, but I do like the... I like the Broncos this time around, but as for that game, yeah, I think Chargers are... The way they've played against the Chiefs, they show that they, they have the full package, and they're at home in Monday night. Give me LA. Yeah, like last year's Chargers were very talented. They got a new coach, and this year, I mean... I thought last year they were pretty good, but this year they're they're really putting all their talent to use. Yeah, no, they did. They just lost a bunch of close games, if I recall correctly. Uh, that wraps up the NFL games for next week. Next, we keep ending these pods with a little bit of NBA news. So there's three weeks until the NBA starts. Well, can you believe that? That's so fast. It came up quick. It feels like last month I was watching the finals. Yeah. The Suns and the Bucks. So we had Media Day recently. And I think a couple of the bigger stories from Media Day. The Nuggets give MPJ a max extension worth up to $207 million. MPJ got mm-hmm. paid. Wow, that's a lot of money. Do you think he's worth that? I could see it. I mean, he's young and has a lot of upside. And- I think I saw the stats saying he had the most efficient 19-plus points a game of any NBA player or something like that. And, I mean, he's an efficient scorer all around, shooting at, like, two seasons in a row, well over 40% on the three-point line and above 50% on the field. Like, he's a great scorer for sure, and he's very young. So he has a lot of upside, but the thing is, he also doesn't have a huge sample size. 
and he's very injury prone. The thing is, the way the Nuggets use him, his role in the offense or in the team overall grows a little bit every year. And I think the reason for this max extension, I think throughout the five years, he's going to become like a solid third critical piece next to Murray and Jokic. He has the potential, I think, to be better scorer than either of those two, too. Oh, yeah. I, I'm not saying he's the third. Like, he's going to be the third piece. Like, by the end of that, he might be, like, oh, the third. Oh, but he's going to be, like, their two pieces. He's going to be a third. Honestly, I think every team needs, like, probably about three really good pieces at this point to win championship. And they have a young group of that now that they locked him in. So they have three players there to stay for a few years. And those three will be good together. Like, they, they work well together. Young. They already had the chemistry. And they'll have them for years to come. And even without Murray this year, they still made it to the second round of the playoffs. A lot of good stuff to happen in the future. Yeah, I think this contract is more based on the potential and not like what we've seen. Actually, I was thinking about this too. It's Denver. Like it's not a huge market. So they're not going to attract many free agents. So it's especially important for them to lock in their superstars. For Denver, I think it's a great deal. If it was like a New York or LA, I'd be like, eh, I'm not sure. For MPJ, I think it's pretty great deal too yeah i mean yeah huge contract so early <laughs> in his career another pretty big story i think that came out of media day was the pelicans revealed zion had foot surgery in the offseason but they expect him to be back by the season opener uh not expected to partake too much in preseason but come opening day they said he should be good zion's game and this is not to discredit his game i think he's a really good player but it doesn't necessarily require too much uh practice he he scores almost like exclusively in the paint i mean he gets shoot but like his go-to score is definitely paint first and very efficiently too over 60 percent. so i think he'll be fine a lot of potential there and i think yeah it's good for him to stay healthy he can skip practice i hope they take their time with him i just want to see zion healthy exactly he's had a lot of injuries i mean people kind of thought that was gonna happen i hope that ends and we just keep seeing zion like at his full potential because it's fun to watch. He's so much fun. Did you see after like the media day or like during the media day, like all the pictures and stuff for the new teams? I saw pictures of like the Bulls new big four. I saw the Heat new big three. It got me just excited for NBA. I didn't see those pictures, but uh, I mean, I'm excited for that big four. Who did they decide was in that big four? It was Alonzo, Levine, Vucevic, and uh, DeRozan. DR, yeah. Dang, nice, nice. Yeah, I'm yeah, I'm excited for the Bulls. They 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 added so many good pieces. Yeah, I think the Bulls had a a pretty good off season. I like the Heat off season too. Hopefully, I think uh Oladipo is supposed to come back. I read this a while ago, but I think the target date was around like November, maybe a little later. But there's so many more teams with like pretty solid talent. Like I think there's a little more parity, especially last year. We didn't really know who's going to win the championship, and like that's. Huge progress from the Golden State days. All right. Does that wrap it up for this week? I think it does. Huge football weekend this weekend, too. Yep. All right. That's it for this week. If you're still here, thank you for staying till the end. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, at Crew Sports Pod. And we'll see you next Thursday.